So, Lynn and Denny, thank you for the children's time and for lifting up that, uh, the, the idea of uh, the concept of community, because this is exactly what I want to uh, kind of focus on here. And I love that our, our mission statement, you know, has that as kind of a central piece of how we reach out with this understanding of community. We, St. Paul's United Methodist Church, are a community of faith. Uh, you all are involved in all different kinds of communities, uh, groups and so forth in the community, in Papillion, the larger metro area, et cetera, and on and on. So it's, a, it's an important idea uh, to, to, to think about community. What does it mean to be in community? Who are we? And I, and I want to start off with just a, a little video, just a few minutes long, that uh, kind of illustrates one uh, gentleman's idea of community. So if we could have that video... I've really come to believe that worship, I've really come to believe that worship is meant to encompass all that we are. Like Jesus said, to love God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. So that means with our intellect, with our physical being, uh, with our emotions, and with our will. And I, I really believe that God has uh, given us the arts uh, as a way to access the soul. And that one of the things that's lacking in a lot of our, our communities uh, are the kind of worship gatherings where people are really learning to love God with their soul. And music, of course, has always been an art form of worship. And I love music, and I think it will always be the preeminent art form of worship. But uh, I think we've drastically limited the artistic expression that God intends for the body of Christ. And, and so one thing that I love to see is to see the, the, the palette of arts radically broadened in the community of faith. And, and to start to engage, there's no such thing as sacred arts, because all arts, when offered up to God for his glory, and when used in the service of his kingdom, is sacred. And so what we've seen in our community is the more that we've broadened the palette of, of arts and worship, the more people have started to recognize that just because they're not a public speaker and just because they don't happen to sing or play an instrument doesn't mean that they don't have creative artistic gifts to offer up to God in the community. And, uh, we don't live in a, in a sort of typically artistic community. In fact, aerospace industry is the main employer where we live. We have lots of engineers. But it's amazing the, the creative gifts that just kind of bubble up out of community when people start to recognize that they've got something to offer to God. And some people say to me, well, we don't have artists in our church. <laughs> I mean, that's just heresy is what that is because... You know, God is the creator of all things, the ultimate source of creativity. Genesis tells us we're created in the image of God. Therefore, intrinsically, all human beings are creative. And we just need to redefine and, and help people reframe what it means to be an artist. And, uh, you know, I think Luther had a wonderful insight when he talked about the priesthood of all believers. And, and he used to kind of orient his sermons and his songs and his services toward the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker, you know? And I think when we start to embrace the fact that all God's people are, are gifted creatively, different types of creativity and artwork, um, and we start to release that not only within our organized worship services, but when it begins to overflow out into people's lives in the community, it becomes a powerful way that God can access the human soul and, and really see life transformation by, uh, by expanding people's experience of God. And uh, so I'm just excited to see artists embrace the gifts that God has given them, even if they never ever thought of it as art before, but they recognize that it's an expression of the creative God in whose image they were made, and that God is calling them to release some of those gifts into the community uh, for 
love the I love his ideas. I love this idea of a, of the expression of creativity as kind of being a core piece of God's uh, presence in in our lives and what that means. Uh, we all have a creative capacity of some sort. Uh, you may not be able to, to, to zero in on that for yourself, and you may say to yourself, well, I'm not an artist, and maybe you're not in the traditional understanding of what that means. But key to what he said is this idea of broadening the notion of what it is to be artistic and creative, because that is where we find the source of love, the source of God. And we do that as, as individuals, but also individuals inextricably tied to community. So let's say you're a painter. You can go into a room, lock the door, be by yourself in silence, and take the brush to the palette and then to the canvas and paint the masterpiece. And you can do that in a solitary way. But likely you won't leave the masterpiece there. You'll, you'll take it out into the community. You'll share it with someone somewhere unless you decide to rip it to shreds. Either way, you've shared it. <laughs> you've shared it with yourself, you've changed yourself and the way you interact with the community in your own creative process. I love that idea that community is both very personal and individual, but also that tie that, that, that connects us to all others, uh, both close, both near and far. Think about the community in which you grew up in. Just focus in on that. What, you know, think about that community. What was it like for you? Who were the key people in that community? What are some of the milestones that stand out for you in that community? What's a low moment? What's a high moment there? Ruminate on those things for a few moments. As you think about that community today, what's it like? Has it changed? What's the difference between your childhood imagery of it and what you see today? I find it interesting the way we define community. I know that my definitions of the community in which I grew up in come from a little bit of an idealistic notion on my part. They probably aren't true to what was really happening there at the time. And I see that community as its economic decline and population decline has occurred. And yet, so many good things happen there. So we have perspectives, right? I find it interesting that one of the predominating ways that we understand communities as we drive through them in not only Nebraska, but pretty much any other state is uh, the sign at the city limits. What does it always have on it besides the name of the community? The population, right? So uh, Omaha, I, I looked this up online and everything online is completely accurate and true. Omaha has 486,000 people, population. Springfield, 1,500. Uh, Papillion, around 24, 25,000. And the town of Gross, Nebraska, has a population of two. Two people, <laughs> two people. Do those numbers define that community? 
Do those numbers tell us anything about the history of who they were, uh, the things that they happened there that were the low lights and the highlights, the things that, uh, that they lift up as, as joys of their community, great accomplishments and contributions? Absolutely not. It's a number. So how do you get to understand that community? What would you do? Well, you might spend some time there. You might have relatives or friends you could talk to about it that live there. There might be purpose in, in learning more about it online, other places as well. One thing I've learned about this congregation in the, in the first six months that I've been here is that you care deeply about the well-being of the people in this congregation and in the surrounding communities, not just Papillion, but the surrounding communities. You care. You reach out. You seek to make change to better lives, the better the lives of the people. So today, in the midst of this cold and snow-packed uh, moment in our community, seemingly it's a standstill. It's not. Even in this coldest moment when the snow has piled up, it's buzzing with activity. Snow plows with, with persons staffing to keep the roads safe for us 24-7. They're out there trying to keep roads and sidewalks safe. People shoveling out places in their backyards so their dogs have a room to go do their business. Persons sitting in the quiet of their room, as I talked about, painting or, or writing something or composing or just contemplating the nature of the universe or their life. Others pray and ruminate on the meaning of Jesus' life and teachings in a quiet moment by the fire. And others seek the warmth, some food, and a place to lay their head. The community is buzzing all around us every moment of every day, weather aside. God created our world, and I believe God continues to work alongside of us to continue to create and recreate the world in which we live. And when we're at our best, we're true to listening to God's calling and claim on our lives to do so and to follow what God is asking us to do. You see, I believe deeply, and I think the, 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 uh, the, the, the person who spoke in the video believes as well that we have the power as a people of faith, to, to heal the woundedness of the world. When we offer Christ to others, we are offering a healing balm to them. A world of, of healing and strengthening community is what we're about, that goes beyond our individual efforts, and each individual should give. But it is all about the understanding of that in the context of community. So our work goes on. People with little or connection to relationship one and with one another forget about the common good. We're better together. We're better when we connect with one another. When we engage in this kind of work, we can create exponential change together. Exponential change. It's a definition of that person who believes in and promotes truths or benefits or an idea or an exponential teaching of Jesus, for instance, a person who expands that idea, who deepens our understanding of the teachings of Jesus. In mathematics, it's that uh, representation of a power to which is given a number 
to, to raise the, the amount. So there's ways of thinking about how we live in community that give us that possibility of exponential change for the better. Bringing community forward is about individual and communal work. One of my favorite quotes, I, I've been wanting to weave this one in, um, William Goldman, <clears throat> he wrote a little, it was a part in the, a movie called Princess Bride. Any of you ever seen Princess Bride? Love the movie. Uh, before his death, he, he wrote uh, this about, about writing. And writing, for me at least, is a very solitary kind of work. It's something I've got to have a very quiet and focused place to do it. He says, writing is finally about one thing, going into a room and doing it, putting words on paper that have never been there in quite that way before. Although you are physically by yourself, the haunting demon never leaves you, that demon being the knowledge of your own terrible limitations, your hopeless inadequacy, the impossibility of ever getting it right. No matter how diamond bright your ideas are dancing in your brain, on paper, they are earthbound. He is so right. And then there's a the communal idea. There's very individual work and then the communal idea. And I think for me, the, the communal ideal, especially through the arts, if you've ever seen those murals on the sides of buildings that, that artists have, you know what I'm talking about, those beautiful murals, uh, those, are, those are powerful. They, they speak to us, again, beyond population numbers. What, what is it about this community that we need to know? You see, we have to integrate those two ideas together, the individual and the communal, in a way that strengthens all of us. So there's two meanings of being in community. It's what is on inside of us and how do we transform from within so that we can transform the community around us. It's a starting place. So we seek together in both of those venues in our lives a wider and deeper sense of ownership, both emotional and communal, with God's help. We impact the community and they impact us. You're a part of the community of Papillion in very deep ways, and I've seen that. How do we say, see ourselves as a part of the metro area, the Nebraska community, the United States, and so on and so forth? It's important that we think in those kinds of gradations. Can everyone find their own creative outlet? And what is that? I remember the first time I was asked to do something creative. I was working on my first year in my master's program and the instructor, student teacher uh, said, I want you to do something creative and bring it back tomorrow. I've never thought of myself as a very creative person, at least at that point. And uh, I brought back a self-portrait, not an artist. It was like a stick figure. It was awful, but guess what? After almost th over 30 years, I can describe it to you in <laughs> minute detail. Why? Because it was so challenging for me to even think about being a creative. You know, I couldn't even comprehend that. And so it stuck with me. What a lesson that was. 
So the fact that I couldn't be creative or didn't feel I was creative made me creative, and it had that powerful impact. What, what if we had that kind of impact on people? To challenge them to step up, to step out, to take a risk. What does that look like? Can we look at the creativity that we do not understand and begin to appreciate it? Things we don't agree with, people's ideas that we have problems with. How do we start to work together to talk to one another, to create new relationships and build stronger community, to live essentially out the mission statement that you all profess? I believe we're already doing that in so many powerful ways. What's our next step and the next? Because it never ends. The work is always there for us. And Jesus will be with us along the way. Can we, all of us here at St. Paul's, become kind of the central meeting house for Papillion in terms of what it means to be community? What does that look like for us? It's a powerful notion. So as I, as I come to this um, uh, final thought, the text that we have is, is, is one of, of kind of a reveal of Jesus as Messiah, even though the text doesn't come right out and say it. This is the one of Moses, is, is something to that effect. Um, and, and Philip says to Nathaniel, come and see. And uh, Nathaniel says, you know, what, what, whatever good came out of Nazareth. <laughs> you know, nothing good came out of Nazareth. And then Jesus indicts him and says, I've known Nathan, Nate, <laughs> who you were even before Philip told me. It's about relationship, this whole text. Read it again when you have an opportunity. It's about relationship. It, it's about a connection that Jesus had with people that they couldn't even comprehend. And he lived into that with them. He says, you know who I am, Jesus says to Nate, and you'll see even greater things. I love the way this text ends. You'll see even greater things. You're going to experience even greater things. Live into that possibility. I challenge you today to live into that expectation that it's better and better because that's what I believe God wants for us every day is to find ourselves on the path toward a better way every step we take. There might be steps backwards, for sure, but how do we step forward and walk God's better way? We do that by listening to the call of Jesus and believing in this idea of the better way, that you'll see even greater things if you follow me. Thanks be to God. Amen.